0: Hello to Roger fans, welcome to episode number 333 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is July 28th, 2014. Got a big show for you this week on the podcast. Got Coach Harvey Hyde coming up a little bit later on. I'm going to do a solo segment to start the show here on the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a bunch of questions, We're going to try to get to each and every one of them from you. We do love to hear from you, so if you have questions or comments, drop us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can give us a call at our voicemail number 206-888-6755. And don't forget, you can always find the podcast, the latest episodes, peristylepodcast.com. Very simple. That website's been up and running for a few years now. We really like it. uh, You put see all the old archive episodes there. You check everything out. There on the Peristyle podcast. So, I uh, just wanted to apologize. Last week, uh, I was actually in Yosemite with my wife. We went to on a camping trip, so I had no cell service whatsoever, and we decided to uh, skip the show. So it's it's kind of a slower time, and so I apologize for that for no show. Uh, we're coming back today. Hopefully, you enjoy the show today. I think, yeah, I think I don't know how many we've missed over the six or seven years, whatever we've been doing this show. I think for my wedding yosemite trip not too many so uh, we apologize for that um and also been getting a lot of emails uh seeing some posts on uscfootball.com tweets when people talk about gerard martinez and, and dan weber had left uh the site and uh, what's going on with me and all that kind of stuff and unfortunately i uh, i still cannot comment at this time uh, but if you stay tuned to the parastyle well, as soon as I'm permitted to say anything and talk about it, I certainly will do that. So again, I just wanted to address that. Sorry, I'm not allowed to make any comments uh, at this time. I do want to let you know uh, we sent out a Trojan football update newsletter from uscfootball.com. and if you want to sign up for that, you haven't done that. It's a, there's a little website, Trojans Inc. Inc. So Trojans with an S, Inc. dot com. Uh, it's just a domain name that I had uh, purchased before. Um, but you can sign up for the newsletter right there. It's right on that page, so it's pretty simple. Trojansink.com, and we try to send them out once a month. Uh, if any news or anything kind of happens, and we can send other ones out. We don't spam you. Um, we don't. We don't do that many of them. But if you want to get the, these updates to your newsletter, it's really easy. Trojansink.com. Of course, on Twitter, if you want to follow me, I'm at Inside Troy on Twitter at Inside Troy. And on Facebook, you go to Facebook slash USCfootball.com, but you have to spell out the dot. So USCfootball, D-O-T-C-O-M, USCfootball.com. That's where you can reach us on social media. All right, let's get into some of these questions. We've got a bunch of questions from off-season workouts, which just to give you an update on that, those off-season workouts did end uh, last week. So um, they were there's no workouts previous week there's going to be no workouts this week leading up to fall camp and as you know players report on August 3rd uh, for USC fall camp which is a Sunday first practice is a Monday August 4th so uh, really one week from today is when USC fall camp will start Uh, so they this is there's no off-season workouts this week they had last week off as well for Pac-12 media day and all of that um, so no off season workouts right now, kind of, like I said, a, sort of a slow time, uh, what's been going on around USC football. But of course things are going to pick up tremendously, uh, a week from today when the players start practicing, uh, Andrew had a question about some of Inuku and how he is looking. And, uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of some of Inuku, uh, during this off season. So we got to see little, you know, kind of flashes of him. Sometimes he was in like sweatpants and then would just come out and run a few patterns and, and catch some balls. We saw a lot of Jaleel Pinner, uh, the other you know Trojan fullback there that's on scholarship, um, but we haven't seen as much Soma so of he, So he's going to be one of those guys where we'll probably start watching him you know, that first week of, of fall camp, You know, see how healthy he is, see how, how everything's going for him, and uh, check it out there. And fullbacks are a little tough too. I mean, yes, they can go out and, and catch passes and stuff, but those are guys you kind of want to see with, with pads on, and of course they don't do that it's shorts and t-shirts at the uh the the throwing sessions these player uh only practices uh so player run practice they call them prps now player run practices uh kind of like that um so yes we didn't get to see a whole lot of them andrew unfortunately and uh you know one of those guys though you have to to pay attention to how how the fullbacks going to be used uh you see fullback in this offense fullbacks and tight ends kind of you know, similar roles and 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 kind of under the same wing, uh, you know, with the different coach, you know, with the coaches and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how those guys are used. But we'll keep uh, we'll keep up and follow those guys during fall camp and, and let you know what's going on, Andrew. And uh, Andrew had a second question about at the start of fall camp, which is a week from today. Which wideouts do you guys predict getting the starting nod? And same questions for uh, running backs. Since I think it's a really good a uh, question to kind of look at. I mean, we're not going to, sh- you know, it's hard to tell what the depth chart's going to be there. So especially with the wide opposition, position, you've got guys coming off injury. I mean, you have it at the running back position as well. But if you just take a look at, let's say, running backs first, um, you know, you look last year, Buck Allen was the, the MVP of the team. Uh, but you hear a lot of rumblings about, you know, Justin Davis uh, being a very special talent. I mean, Trey Madden you know being there and and and, you know he's a special player as well dj morgan's coming back from injury i don't feel he's going to be a guy that's you know in the mix as much but you got to look at those top three with ty isaac being gone Uh, i think they're gonna it's got to start with buck allen he's gonna be there and um he's gonna be the workhorse i believe but you know we'll see how trey madden and justin davis get used in the in the mix you know We've seen Steve Sarkeesian over the years. He's always had a 1,000 yard rusher. So he seemed to like want to go with, you know, Bishop Sankey got like 1,800 yards last year. But he didn't have this kind of stable of running backs, too. So it could be very different where they're, they're different series, different guys are coming in. Um, it'll really be something interesting to watch is if, does he go with a hot hand? Is he going to stick with one guy? Uh, is he going to split it up between three? You know, we've seen it at USC kind of uh, tailback by committee quite a bit. But I think over the last couple of years, it's, it's not really necessarily just been tailback by committee. I think even if, if Lane Kiffin or whoever the coach was last year at any given time during the season wanted to go with one running back, those guys were getting hurt all the time. So, uh, I mean, did Buck Allen come in? And, you know, other guys got hurt in front of him. And so he was able to take a shot, and, and he obviously made the most of it. There was a lot of injuries there at tailback, and sometimes you'd start a game and not be able to finish it, and someone else will come in, and he might get hurt. I mean, there was a lot of injuries, and not season-ending for the most part, but it was guys get banged up, you're missing quarters, you're missing halves, uh, missing practice time, whatever it is. So it'll be interesting to see you there. Uh, wide receiver, uh, Nelson Aguilar, you know, by far, uh, he's going to be the guy coming in and, and be the number one, uh, you know, main man there. I, I think Darius Rogers right now is likely going to be that second guy like if there's going to st- two starting wide receivers i think you're going to go with aguilar and darius rogers in my opinion there um but you know george farmer has that potential Stephen mitchell has that potential i like what victor blackwell has been able to do one of those guys that just seemed like he's practiced well and, and done some good things and just hasn't really got a shot we saw that with devon florinoy the last couple of years too so will we'll victor blackwell with the new coaching staff will that help him and well, the coaches knows. Hey, this guy's pretty good. He should be in there, and playing. And then, of course, you got the you know, the freshman coming in too. Um, you know, how are those guys going to make an impact? I mean, I, I you would think. I think of Juju Smith or um, Adore Jackson. I just think Dora Jackson is so explosive right now um, that anyone comes in or those freshmen that have a shot to to start somewhere. I, I kind of would put him in the mix there. So I think. Of those guys, you know, looking at those, that's, that's probably what the depth chart's going to look like. It, for, certainly for the receiver spot, it's going to be about health. I think running back-wise, I think everyone's fairly healthy. You know, Justin Davis still coming back and things like that. But I, I think he's going to be okay. We just don't know, Farmer and Stephen Mitchell, you know, with those knee injuries, how they're going to be looking. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. All right, let's see. Let's go to Melvin, and he says, first question, now with the loss of Ryan Henderson and Anthony Brown, does that leave the defensive backfield needing a lot of depth? Will Coach Sark definitely use Dory Jackson and Juju Smith on defense now rather than offense? So he's talking about Ryan Henderson, uh, who's no longer on his team. Um, Ryan Henderson was a great athlete, just never saw him do much as far as a, a player goes. And Anthony Brown... We didn't see him the whole offseason. He says that, you know, he was just rehabbing and, and he's fine and he's going to move to running back. You know, we'll still have to wait and see, but he's not going to be part of that uh, cornerback um, position. So if you look on that side of the ball, uh, as far as um, defensive backs, and you know, there, there's some mixing and matching going on. You know, Josh Shaw can play corner or, or safety. You know, but Gerald Bowman's back. You know, he's healthy. I think Sue Cravens will be back and healthy. You know, Ryan Dillard got a scholarship. You got Chris Hawkins back there still. Leon McQuay. Uh, Davion Shelton's back. Kevon Seymour. I think, and then, you know, some of the new guys coming in. There's there's a lot of versatility on 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 some of the new players. So I don't think necessarily you're going to say that Adoree Jackson or Juju Smith are going to be on defense rather than offense. I think it's, they're still going to get a chance on both sides of the ball my gut says that Adore jackson's is going to have the ball in his hand and juju smith uh will be on defense playing safety that's just kind of my take now it's, certainly that could change um but that's just kind of the way i'm, I'm looking at it right now so i, I think defensive backfield you know depth wise i don't think you know ryan henderson wasn't a guy that was coming in and playing i mean he's doing special team stuff uh but not not a whole lot in the in, in the defensive backfield there and i think brown got a lot of experience so him not being there, um, I think, would hurt more than, than Ryan Henderson not being there. Uh, but it's, there's, there's some kind of question marks of going on with Anthony Brown. He, we, t- we talked to him, and it didn't sound like, you know, from what he was saying, there wasn't any other issues. Uh, you know, there's been rumors and all this kind of stuff. So we'll see what happens with, with fall camp rolls around. Does he line up with the running backs, and, and how is that all going to work? We already talked about the depth there. They have pretty good depth already at running backs, and a guy like DJ Morgan, who started before, You know, being like the number four guy coming off his injury, uh, where does Anthony Brown fit in all that um, for his final season? So we'll see. And then uh, for Melvin, he also he's also following up. Have you ever seen Anthony Brown play offense? Uh, Did he work out the offensive side during the voluntary workouts this summer? Why the switch? And We kind of addressed that a little bit. But no, I haven't seen him uh, play offense. I might have seen some tape back in high school. I don't remember. But we haven't seen him since he's been in SC. He's always played uh cornerback. And he didn't work out uh on the offensive side of the ball because he didn't work out during the voluntary workouts. We actually didn't see him until like the last, you know, the last week or two he showed up and you know and said that, like we mentioned, that he was doing rehab and uh coming back. So we're not really sure why the switch. We don't really know. Um you know, it's 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 uh, there's a little bit of a mystery there. And I think once fall, camp gets rolling along and we can ask Steve Sarkeesian about it. Uh, we'll probably get some more information on that. But unfortunately, Melvin, right now, your guess is as good as ours, right? It's uh, it's it's very interesting. Um, there's something going on there. Is it going to really have a big impact on the team? I think he could at corner. I don't know if he will be able to at running back barring some, uh, you know, a whole bunch of spectacular injuries there. So, uh, thanks for those questions, Melvin, and uh, we'll keep you up to date on what's going on. Let's see Ron, he said all was quiet with the NCAA until Oklahoma State the Oklahoma State problem came up. What's the latest on the documentary uh, on the USC sanctions that they went through? Will we see it bef- uh, for the upcoming season? This is something uh, actually Dan Weber wrote a column about uh, about this documentary. I, I don't actually, you know, we'd have to talk to Dan about that, but he's you know obviously a different network right now. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on with that documentary. I know there's stuff in place, but they, when I talked to him last, it was more on the preliminary stages. I don't think you're going to see anything. I know, Well, I I don't know for sure, but 99%, they're not going to see anything before this upcoming season. When I had talked to Dan ah, maybe a month ago or something, I mean, they were still coming up with who's going to be the host, um, you know, the voice of the documentary. So if they're in that stage of development, it's not something that's going to be coming out uh, before the football season. So uh but yeah there was it was a really interesting story. It still should be still up on uscfootball.com if you search for it. Dan wrote this piece and uh uh really interesting. I mean he's the, the guy won an Oscar for uh Rocky, you know, USC guy and is doing this documentary and uh but I don't expect it to be coming out like anytime real soon Ron. So sorry about that. Um let's go to Earl in West LA. He says based on what you've seen this spring and summer which Trojan players do you predict could have a breakout season? Oh, that's a really good question there. Now, let me – and I didn't even mention him. I feel bad during the wide receiver uh, discussion. Uh, if you're talking about new players, uh, I do think Adore Jackson is just going to be so special. But uh, J.N.A. Harris, and that's how Steve Sarkeesian was saying his name. I I know people say it differently. Um, you know, from Crenshaw High School, who played – quarterback in high school and cornerback, just because he was the best best athlete, has been coming out. He was really early on before these really summer workouts even started and he was playing receiver. And uh, there was times when if Cody Kessler came out there, they didn't have any receivers really to throw to. It was uh, maybe Victor Blackwell or if he wasn't there. I mean, there was a bunch of walk-on guys. And then Harris came out. And, you know, as a incoming freshman, hadn't enrolled yet or anything like that. And, you know, he was just shining and just catching every ball, uh, you know, showing great hands. Looked like he was running, you know, good routes, especially for a guy that wasn't doing a lot of route running since he was playing quarterback all last year in high school. And I think he's turned a lot of the other players' heads. So you want to talk about a breakout season since he's going to be a true freshman and and not a very... You know, he was a three-star kid, not a, uh, you know, not someone that's Harold that you know everyone talked about, like a Juju Smith or an Dory Jackson. Um, I think Adore's footwork and just the way he's able to to make guys miss and, and him and the the ball in his hands in space is special. Like no one, you know, no one on the team I think can do what he's doing in, in that aspect. But you want a guy that's going out and, and making plays and can be explosive. I think Harris could be one of those breakout dudes. Um, so, you know, it'll totally be a breakout for him because he's not, you know, he's not on the team. He wasn't on the team last year, and no one's really going to know who he is, like a, like an Adore Jackson or a Juju Smith. So he's one of those guys, Earl. Um, you know, it's an interesting question. I, I think Gerald Bowman could be someone that has a big impact. We haven't seen him a whole lot. You know, when he was injured coming in, he's got this one last season. I mean, there's there's the usual names. I think Josh Shaw would be special and Sua Cravens, uh, stuff like that. I, I kind of think J.R. Tavai will will be someone that, it, you know, be like a rush-end guy that just comes in and, and starts making a lot of plays and, and wreaks some havoc in there. Um, we haven't seen, you know, because of the loss of, like, Devon Kennard, the, you know, there's no Morgan Breslin there. I think he's going to be that guy that, that sort of steps in uh on the offensive line uh, that's a good question i mean I, I get the feeling that lobendon's gonna be in the mix there uh some way and and might be you know one of those emerging stars but there's a lot of options on the offensive line i think that's harder to sort of predict that uh jaylen cope fitzpatrick's a guy that you know along with randall telfer they're the the two uh scholarship tight ends on the team uh well then you know uh, Dixon coming in as well. But I, I kind of have a feeling Cope Fitzpatrick will have a, a have a big year. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think Buck Allen's a guy that I think is going to do a lot of special things. But I get the feeling that Justin Davis is going to show people why everyone was so excited about him uh, last year. So there's a few names on there. Um, you know, that some new names and some, some names that you're probably familiar with. But there's a lot. Uh, there's It's a very talented team. I think there's a lot of potential on this team, Earl. So um, there's a lot of different guys that kind of break out, but those are kind of my thoughts on, on just who, who the guys off the top of my head I think could have really big years. All right, let's see. Let's go to oh, Dennis from Lancaster. He said, hey, Ryan, this is Dennis in Lancaster, and I have a recruiting question for you. All right, that's I'll do my best. He said, uh, with us losing Tyler Pettit uh, to Duke, uh, the tight end commit us being slim at tight end will we see a strong push for other tight ends this year or try to sign a big tight end class next year. I'd like to see them make a strong push for Tyrone Wheatley Jr. Um thanks Dennis for the question. I do think they are gonna to try to get a tight end uh in this class. Uh Elise Jones is a UCLA commit from uh, Las Vegas, uh six four two fifteen ish or so. I think someone, you know, They'll probably still try to to flip him at some point um yeah Tyler had going to uh uh to uh, duke very interesting there <laughs> so I don't think a lot of people expected that to hit but Tyron Wheatley, as a is a guy you know he's he lives in uh you know from Buffalo, new york uh son of a uh, you know legendary michigan player has u s c in his top five really he does really like USC. He said he's planning to come out and and take a visit. So I think he's a a decent option. I don't think you can count on someone that's three thousand miles away. Um. So I mean, there's 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 not a whole lot of great options uh, out there right now. So, it you know he would be, I think, an ideal replacement uh, for something like that. You could still try to flip Jones. Um, so they're going to go out. You know, and we'll see that. You know, they might get creative and, and get a guy that was. You know, I don't be playing – we've seen guys that were kind of – thought they were going to be offensive tackles and they're tight ends or vice versa. You know, I think there's some different options there, but not not a lot of great options. And so Wheatley, I think the the guy you named would be sort of the main one. But I, I do feel that they would like to bring in a tight end uh, in this class. Uh, you know, the good thing is, you know, two, uh, Marcus Tues, Isopo is, is is a great recruiter, and I think now that they're out there recruiting their positions – he can uh, really focus on some guys, and there, you know there's some, some different sleeper names out there as well, but I think you' kind of focus on the big ones and uh, they might have to bring in somebody late uh, that wasn't high, you know as highly ranked on their list um, so a few different options there, but yeah it's, that was kind of a, a shocker, and you know Duke's picked up a couple of really good players uh, from California, so not a bad uh not a bad run for them you know they they won a whole bunch of games last year, and it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if they can make another run this year. All right, next up, let's go to Tarek, and he had a question. Who do you see starting at Sam Linebacker for USC, Quentin Powell or Jabari Ruffin? I'd like to see Quentin Powell because of his speed and his ability to cover in the flats, where we were killed last year, while Jabari is more of a uh, pass rusher. And, uh, yeah, so the um, when you're looking at Quentin Powell and Jabari Ruffin, it, the way they have that, you know, they call it like the Sam Linebacker spot, they... You know, the terminology, I think, can change. But those guys actually work out with the linebackers, and they're going to be on the strong side. They'll be, you know, responsibility to cover a, a tight end guy uh, some of the times. And opposite, on the other side, um, it's more of that rush kind of end spot where I mentioned J.R. Tavai, uh, Scott Starr will be in there, guys like that. That'll they that'll be more of a, you know, they're like kind of that fourth defensive lineman and they'll be kind of rushing the passer. So I think you're gonna see a lot of J.R. Tavai in that spot, you know, Claude Pallon, uh, Leonard Williams, and uh Antoine Woods uh in those three those three middle spots. And then on the outside, I I kind of agree with you. I like Jabari a lot. I think they're they might be rotated in a little bit more and uh, you know, especially if there's some limited depth with Kenny Bigelow being gone. Uh, in the middle there, you might have Antoine Woods playing a little bit more, or you might move Leonard Williams over to play some nose and help out things like that. But I kind of get the feeling, rotation wise, those would be the two main guys. I'm guessing Quentin Powell will be the the starter, and I do like um, you know his you know be more of a linebacker kind of guy, coverage skills, uh, things like that. So, but I think they're both going to likely be used. But I think your assessment is is spot on there, and, and uh, I think he would be kind of getting the nod. But I. The whole rotation aspect on along the, you know, this defensive front, you know, those front five guys. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all uh, plays out. But I just get the feeling those two guys will rotate in a little bit more, and and you'll see them. But Quentin Powell, my prediction will be he is the guy that gets the starting get uh, gets that starting spot. And let's do uh, one last one from this segment. Bill um, wrote in says I've noticed some snaps where the quarterbacks. Where the quarterback's just back of center. So I guess I think he means just, just behind the center, not in shotgun uh, or the pistol. Is that formation always been in the mix or is it a new twist? Um, I apologize, Bill. I, I I think you mean just, you know, they're under, like the quarterback's under center like you normally would be, not in a shotgun or pistol. And that's something that uh, we're starting to see a little bit more. I think they, they feel more comfortable. Uh, you know, Steve Sarkeesian talked about this at Media Day where they felt more comfortable. They knew the, how well USC ran the ball last year, you know, under center, and uh, he didn't want to ex- totally exclude that out and just run everything in the shotgun, which I think is a great move. Like You know, following Fresno State last year and watching Derek Carr, and, uh, you know, I, I got to see a lot of the Fresno State games kind of leading up to the Las Vegas Bowl against USC, and that's one of the things where, I, you know, I— I I like a lot of the aspects of the the spread offense, but when it would come to third and one and fourth and one, and you're still lining up in a shotgun, it just didn't make all that much sense to me. I, I, you know, I'm not that I'm a, I don't want to say, you don't want to say you're smarter than the coaches are, but just something, just looking at it like, wow, would it be something, would it be worthwhile to have some formations where you do line up under center and kind of smash out that last yard or so? And, uh, you know, I, I saw problems where they would do try a draw or something on fourth and one, you lose three yards. And um, not that you can't do that under center, but it just seems like you're that much closer to the line. Give yourself a little bit better chance for success. So I think Steve Sarkeesian, not saying from it's exactly that, but he talked about this a little bit at Pac-12 Media Day, where they will be, uh, you know, under center a little bit more this year. And I mean, not I, they'll be under center more than what you would see from maybe looking at Washington's offense last year where they're always uh, in the shotgun. So he wants to do that. You know, it, It's really for the running game. They had some good continuity last year in the running game. You saw what Buck Allen was able to do. So I kind of like it that there'll be some opportunities for you know, a lot of shotgun, which I think is great and, and gives the quarterback a chance to kind of see what's going on. But when you want to get smash mouth, there's no reason not to uh, be able to go up there and go under center. So Hopefully that answers your question, Bill. I don't know if there was something different. Um, you call it just back of center, but uh, you know, I believe that's what it is. Max Turk does have very long arms, though, so maybe they're just stepping back a little, a little bit further. Where it's not quite the pistol, it's not the shotgun, but it's not like completely, completely under the center too. But yeah, they they will be uh, having Cody Kessler get up close to to the center uh, for some some of these formations, some of the schemes that they want to run. It won't be exclusively something that they're doing in a shotgun this year. Uh, but I should mention, too, before we, uh, before we close out this segment, there have been some uh, serious concerns as far as snaps go. Uh, we've seen Vianne Talamiavo uh, snapping some. Uh, Max Turek, like I mentioned. And there's been, during these offseason workouts, certainly a lot of uh, errant snaps and uh, quarterbacks picking balls up off the ground. So we're going to actually talk to uh, Coach Harvey Hyde about that a little bit. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde, talking about some summer workout stuff, Pac 12 Media Day, and lots more. So stay tuned. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Parastyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com, SC Tickets, Concerts, Sports, and Theater.
1: We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host,
0: Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. we got Coach Harvey Hyde joining the show. What's up, Coach? How are you doing, sir?
1: Well, we get closer and closer now to uh, this coming football season. All the media days are over and all the conferences and coaches are back to work and uh, media is getting ready and fans are getting ready for college football. All NFL camps are already going, so... The fever's starting to go, uh, Ryan, and uh, everybody's starting to say, Here we go again.
0: Yeah, football fever. Everyone's catching it, everyone's getting excited. The countdown continues. I uh, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. SC dot com is the website or you can call them at one eight hundred-eight eight eight seven two eight seven if you need tickets for anything. You see some some hot Dodgers baseball, Angel's been doing well, check it out on SC dot com and they will hook you up and uh if you want to follow coach on Twitter he's at coach Harvey Hyde I'm on Twitter at inside Troy so you can get coach at Coach Harvey Hyde me at inside Troy and uh, wanted to talk about a couple of things coach you'd mentioned before the show about uh, USC sent out a press release about when fall camp practices would start it's actually one week from today they report on August 3rd they start practicing on August 4th a lot of the practices are open to the media most of them which is good uh, no, no word so far on practices open to the public. Now, Steve Sarkeesian said before, looked like he was going to do that. But, Coach, we don't have any official word. But you would like to see them open and let the, the fans come out and see, right?
1: Well, I think you've got to have some exposure to the fans. I think it's just uh, part of the hype and part of the excitement that fans go through and kids go through and players go through. And they want to go out and see the new, uh, you know, image of USC football and what they expect. I know that I'll have that opportunity, and I think it's good that you give the fans that type of opportunity. Normally they have it at the Coliseum. Uh, I know they, they practice on the 23rd to salute to Troy, and I notice they're in the Coliseum with a closed practice. That might have been a good day to have it. But, of course, I understand, and, and uh, I understand and, uh, the privacy too. Uh, that uh, is done as far as the media not being able to go to certain practices too because of certain things you're putting in. And you really want it to be a surprise to the media as well as uh, the the public. So uh, I see both sides. Of it, but it would be nice to have a, uh, a scrimmage of some type or where people could go out and see uh, some of the top freshman athletes or transfer athletes that are uh, going to play this year become accustomed to the jersey numbers and who's who and who lines up where and the hurry up offense and the defensive schemes and all of the above so you know i i think you've got to do that i know we had a fall scrimmage always that the public was invited to and uh, basically we just ran our basic stuff so we didn't give anything away but we just got better at it what we're supposed to do and i think the fans appreciate it and i think it's good for their overall morale and then have a barbecue or have something afterwards, if you choose to do that. Otherwise, a lot of people don't have a lot of time either, but they like to come out and say they were over at USC's
0: practice. They do, and uh, I kind of get the feeling, Coach, there's going to be at least some open practices, and we, we, we were supposed to get word uh, early this week. So, you know, today's Monday. Within the next couple of days, and, you know, check out uscfootball.com. Well, anything we hear, we'll post. And, of course, Coach Hyde and I will uh, post on Twitter, Anything we hear about practices being open to the public. But we should know something pretty soon. We do not have an official word yet. So I just wanted to kind of get people updated with that. And before we get to the questions too, Coach, I know you had some thoughts on Pac-12 media days, actually two days this time. I attended the first day when USC was there uh, speaking. And I I have my own thoughts, but I want to kind of get yours first and I'll chime in afterwards, Coach.
1: Well, you know, you've heard me say this, and
0: I don't want to be a complainer, okay? Uh, but sometimes uh,
1: you get to be when you talk about it uh, every year when they have media day. But, uh, you know, you've got to make something where it's really uh, uh, comfortable for the media. I really think that the two days I think is good, breaking it up and, and uh, being able to have more time to, with each individual coach. But you've got to make it comfortable. And, you know, to get on any type of lot, TV lot, is a pain anyway. Because you've got to have certain credentials. You've got to tell them who you are, where you're going. The media can't just come down in an elevator. And all of a sudden, you're in the room of where you have to go. You don't have to travel. But you don't stay on the lot. You don't stay on a a Universal studio or wherever they had. This year, I didn't go. So I want you to know, I didn't go because of that. The last three years before, one was at Universal. One was at somewhere else, Fox, whatever. I didn't go because it's... uh, it's a long walk, and it's not a lot of fun to do. I like to be able to mingle with the people, have lunch with the other people, talk, talk to the coaches, uh, get a feel of what everybody's thinking, talk to the bowl representatives that are there, uh, get their thoughts on what's happening in the bowl games and, and, uh, and what changes they have, and, and so on. I think it's a, a gathering. It's supposed to be a gathering and be very comfortable and be inside, whether it's raining or if it's 110 degrees, well, it happened to be not rainy and it happened to be very warm that day, too. So it was very uncomfortable. And I remember going to the one at Universal Studio and they had all the food out there in the sun. It was so hot and all the mayonnaise on the sandwiches and potatoes. So I said, hey, I'm not even eating here. <laughs> I, I, that, that's actually the truth, Ryan. I said, I'm not even going to eat this food. And half the people couldn't even get in the main room. They have another tent that's just as hot like a sauna that you can sit in and watch it there. So myself, I think there's, it's not uh, this is not a production, a movie. This is Media Day. And I think that, um, I don't know if they just don't know what Media Day is, Larry Scott and his staff, but it's something to make the media be really optimistic and love the Pac-12 and make it a comfortable situation for the people who are covering their teams. One thing that they were smart about, I thought, was the separation of USC and UCLA on different days because they were able to keep the local media because they had Steve Sarkeesian on Wednesday and then they had uh, Jim Mora on Thursday. And they did the same thing with all the different universities. So they kept uh, Arizona Report, the Arizona media there, the Northern California media there, all of them, because they had Arizona State one day and they had Arizona the other day. And, and, and so so be it. I think that was smart. But uh I just think that uh it's not a comfortable situation, Ryan. And 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 I don't want to continue dwelling on this, but because the people really that are listening really don't care either. So I don't want to waste their time, but you went because you have to go. Uh what were your thoughts?
0: No, I I agree with you. It was uncomfortable and and you know, fans don't want to really hear the media bitching about, you know, everything that's going on, but you do go there to try to get, you know, we're we're trying to get better informed and you know, the more I know about what USC is doing, what other teams are doing, I think the better I can do my job there. Uh, but I showed up early and I, I go to the main room, which was a lot smaller than what we see, we saw last year. All the seats were already taken. Uh, and so they changed the... They, I, I don't know why you would have a room that can't hold everybody, not even close to holding everyone. There's more people standing and there was an overflow tent, uh, you know, which I guess... in. You know, in theory, it would be fine if you had, like, a live feed of what was going on in the other room, which you did not. Um, they didn't – we couldn't see or hear – we could hear sometimes what was going on in the other room. They showed what the Pac-12 – on TVs, what the Pac-12 network was showing, which was not what was in the other room. They had their own program going on. But we had audio sometimes of what was going on in the main room, at least from the one coach. And it was – and, you know That tent was just a tent. There was no air conditioning. It was really hot in there, and it was uncomfortable. And Everyone's working on their computers. You're trying to you know, write or, or live tweet what's going on, but to, it, it was really hard to do that. So you end up standing in the other room. Uh, and then even the format of it, instead of a press conference thing, you had Steve Sarkeesian or whoever the head coach was up in the front of the room talking over microphones, and then two players in the back of the rooms talking over microphones. The audio quality was really terrible because you could hear all three conversations going at once. It was really tough to get you know decent video from it, and you know three things going at one time. It, it was hard. It, it was just not the most ideal situation to go in and try to to talk to all these people. So uh, yeah, to me it was. I think they did some good things. I like splitting it up into a couple of days. Uh, you know they ran out of media gift bags early on, and you know there was just. There's a lot of little things and some not so little things that just were done poorly. That if you do, this was done in the SEC, someone would have been fired. If, if, you know, half a dozen of these things, half a dozen of those things went on at Pac-12 Media Day that, you know, people would have, you know, heads would have rolled if you did this during the SEC Media Days.
1: Wow, but you get to be on a studio lot. Wow. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that something great? I mean, I don't mean to be a smartass ass. But I am. I'm going to be. And another thing I don't really appreciate, I, I think Larry, St- or Larry Scott gets up there and talks for 30 minutes about how great the, the Conference of Champions and this and that, but he doesn't take any questions. I would like to see the media be able to ask Larry Scott some questions like, Larry, tell me, what's the hang-up with the contract or the agreement with DirecTV? Tell us specifically, what is it? Don't lay it off on somebody else. What is the problem? What are you asking for, and what aren't they willing to give? Because this is an issue, and everybody wants to know. I have DirecTV, and I don't know if you what you have, and I don't know what all of our listeners have, but it's very inconvenient for way games for myself not to be able to turn on my television and watch the Trojans play or any of the Trojan teams play nationally, and they talk about national exposure well, what's the problem here? So, you know, he never uh, takes a question. And I think that as a conference commissioner, you don't see him all the time. So when he's at some type of media day like this, that he actually opens it up for people to ask questions, whether it's, the, is the conference going to grow anymore? Uh, Your thoughts of the championship game now being in Santa Clara? Uh, all of these type of questions people would like to get from the boss himself. And uh, that's just my feeling. We can move on now. I, I know our listeners don't give a damn about this, and and uh, in most cases, so let's go on.
0: Okay, yeah, it, but it definitely was, Coach. Like he was pushing the whole Hollywood studio thing. Um, it, you know, that was kind of interesting, or just they really wanted the that was an image he wanted to portray. Entertainment capital of the world. Here's what we're doing here. But if you looked at it, like they had a picture, like a collage of different sports. This was Pac-12 media football day. They didn't have all these pictures of all these different Olympic sports. They didn't have one single picture of, of football. Uh, he was talking about wow. all these other things besides football. And, uh, you know, obviously that's what people are there for. So there, there was a lot of shortcomings. And we'll, like you said, we'll kind of move on from that and jump into some USC football stuff. Uh, why don't we start with Jamal, Coach? Um, I know you've been watching some of our videos from the summer workouts that are over now. Coach, he says, what do you think about the snapping issues? Uh, what does Coach Harvey Hyde think what would make it better if what would to fix these problems if Hughes was coaching and why haven't we recruited a true center so Jamal wants to know about what's going on with the snapping
1: well you know it's more or less a a feel and a talent to be able to do that you know you can't be thinking at the same time you're snapping the football you've got to recognize your calls make your calls you actually make the calls for the entire line and a strong side weak side and so on so you know, you can't have a, a center going out and making all these calls and then not be able to just automatically snap the ball up, either whether it's a, a gun-type of uh, situation or if the quarterback's underneath you. You've got to have a feel for this, and you've got to be able to do this. And normally it takes a mature junior, senior to really do a great job, someone who has, as you mentioned, played center for two years before that. And when you move people around continuously trying to find out who your center is, There's always a lot of learning going on at the same time as being able to snap the football. So as long as you do that, uh, you're going to have difficulties in that area. It's not easy to be able to come out of the huddle, remember the play, call the defenses, then remember to snap count, make sure you you remember if he's under under the center or back in the formation, and then do that. You really need an experienced person to do that. So uh, they have moved it around uh, the last couple of years. They've had a different center every single year. So uh, I think you're better off taking a guy who you feel is a center, put him in that position, let him be a center. Now if you can recruit a center out there who you really like as a center, and that's his position, it's always been his position, and he can play that position and he has the size to be able to block a nose guard and also be able to has the intelligence to make the calls, then I'd go after him. Like I'd go after any quarterback. He's, he's key. But when you try to convert a, a, a guy that's always been a tackler a guard, it's not easy. And, uh, I think that's what the biggest difficulty is. You can practice it and practice it and practice it against air. But when you practice it against the real deal, it's a lot different.
0: Um, all right. And we'll be watching during fall camp to see what goes on, uh, with the snapping and, uh, you know, there's definitely been some concerns this summer because there's been a lot of Aaron snaps, Coach. So we'll we'll follow that uh, throughout fall camp. Um, one of the other things we didn't get to talk about since we were – and I, again, apologize if we didn't have a show last week. Um, I was in uh, Yosemite, but the, the announcement that USC and Alabama are going to play uh, at Cowboy Stadium in 2016. So there's two – there's a comment um, from Corey and then a question from Melvin. So I wanted to uh, read those both to you, Coach. Um, he said, Corey, well, it just got real with the announcement of USC-Bama for 2016 at Cowboy Stadium. However, Kenny Bigelow, Bigelow probably just had a panic attack because he, he is the only current defensive lineman on our roster that will likely line up against Alabama's gigantic offensive line. We need help on the D-line so bad. Attention, all defensive linemen signing in 2015. You are all but guaranteed playing time in this game if you sign with USC. Let's hope they answer the call, Trojan fans. That's Corey from uh, Camarillo. And then I'll I'll read you Melvin's real quick. He said, I saw the report that USC is going to play Alabama 2016. I know this is thinking far in advance, but do you think a loss in the first game of the season for either team would knock them out of playoff contention now that we have a four-team tournament? Looking forward to opening a fall camp, but of course the regular season. Uh, So that's Melvin.
1: Well, first of all, when you play a big game like that, you have a great offseason, okay? You have a great offseason, but you know what your opening game is and you know what's at stake and so on, and sometimes there's so much of a build-up that when you play that game and if you're not successful in that game, it works both ways. If you're not successful in that game, you do have a downer and you might lose the next game, especially if you're playing against a, a tough opponent. I've had that happen. And then also if you win the game, you're liable to have a downer overlooking the next team the next week. So it works both ways. Uh, as far as personnel, uh, I think it's uh, you better have thought of that before you sign the game because you've got to have some great players. And I think that he has a great idea of being able to recruit players who want to play that type of competition and say, hey, look what we're going to play, look who we're going to open against. It's a great way for you to star on national TV, and are you this type of player and accept the challenge? I know the couple of kids I've looked at, This kid out of North Clovis, I think, is high school. He's that type of lineman coming in that's committed for 2015. And I don't know how many people have watched uh, this Jefferson kid out of Vegas. Uh, If he is admitted, which I hope he is, boy, he's going to be a great defensive lineman. I watched them both this past weekend as I was going over the recruits and trying to evaluate them again. Those are two outstanding defensive linemen that Jefferson has all the potential in the world to be an NFL player and the young kid uh, from, uh, what's his name, Daniels, Yeah, right? Jacob.
0: so Jacob Daniels, the defensive tackle from Clovis North. Right. And, uh, he no- can
1: play, yeah. and he plays hard and pursues and so on. So they've got two defensive linemen coming in next year that I think are going to be outstanding players, and they'll get more. But, uh, yes, you better be able to have great players if you're going to play at the University of Alabama because that's one thing they do have, great players. So, I think it's great for recruiting. I think it's great for the SC football program. There are pluses and there are minuses, as both of you have mentioned, as far as uh, if you do win, uh, be careful the next week. And if you don't win, be careful the next week. But you'll have a great offseason as far as talking about who you're opening with.
0: And, you know, I think as far as the tournament goes, if USC and Alabama are that good, they both have the chance to make the tournament. I don't think, in my opinion, Melvin, that. Uh, that's going to keep you out of a, a playoff there. If you can go on and win the rest of your games, of course it depends on what other teams are doing, but uh, an opening game lost to out, say USC loses to Alabama and somehow runs the table. The rest of the way wins the PAC 12 champ, you know, title game beats Oregon, something like that. Uh, you would think they would still be in the mix for that top four. I mean, it'd be hard to have a better resume than that with the only loss being like, you know, on a neutral site uh, to Alabama. Now, if you lost a second game and you were going to be there's a bunch of two lost teams, then yeah, then may, that might not be you know be beneficial. But I don't think that completely knocks you out of the the playoff. I know it's a comp, it's a human committee now, thirteen actual people, no computers. But when you're talking about people, usually those early season losses, especially against a big powerhouse opponent, are they're weighed less just because they they were so long ago. It was early. It was against a really good team. Uh, it was at the end of the season. I think it might be something a little bit different, but I don't know what you think about that coach, but I, I don't think it would knock either team out if they're able to run the table afterwards.
1: I agree with you a hundred percent. I think the, now the uh, group of committee who dial select, if it's a great football game, would love to see another matchup of a game like that. So I don't think in any way it would hurt you if both teams really play well. I really don't. I think it's, it's a plus when you play that type of competition rather than playing somebody that, you know, you can automatically win by just showing up. So I, I don't think it hurts at all.
0: All right. Uh, Jim in Canyon Country wrote a really long email. I'm going to try to break it up into parts. Um, I'll give you the first couple of parts, let you comment, Coach, and then we'll, I'll read the rest. Uh, he says, first, word of thanks to both uh, for the candid comments from Coach Harvey Hyde, a man who has actually done the job, and especially for the excellent video videos of practices. The videos enable all of us viewers who, like, who think like Coach Hyde, we have to see it, to believe it. Secondly, I hate to sprinkle on the parade, but every time I watch one of these videos, I have the same thought. Max Brown looks like the most talented USC quarterback since Carson Palmer. It is also clear to me that if Sarkeesian really doesn't see that Brown, uh, Vianne Talamiavo, Damian Mama, and Delvon Simmons don't play and play soon, uh, he might have been talking about Jordan Simmons, I'm not sure, uh, He just said Simmons. Don't play and play soon. He will be breaking Coach Hyde's number one rule, play your best players. What do you think, Coach?
1: Well, that is my number one rule. Uh, uh, As far as Max Brown, I think he's really a talented player. I I agree with him on what I've seen in person, not just on the videos that you have, Ryan. I think he's a a quarterback that uh, fits into it, and I admire him because you've never heard him talk about transferring. You've heard of heard him about competing, and uh, I think if anything happened to Cody, uh, no one wants that to happen, that he would step in, the only thing that would be missing is a little of experience. It's very difficult when you have two talented guys and a returning starter who, well, you, that you, know, you won 10 games with and you finish the season with him being the MVP in the Las Vegas Bowl. It's a very difficult situation to make a change, especially when he is sort of Fits into 18 returning starters that USC has, and they all know that he's been the starter and and uh, and has leadership qualities. So, but Max Brown, I have to agree 100%, has great talent. He really does, and he's going to have a great career. And you know what you have to do if he's not the best now, or if the opportunity doesn't come for him to play now, his time will come, and uh, and he will be a great quarterback for USC. I agree with you. 100 percent now as far as mama and these other players jordan simmons and these other guys and uh, walker now i think they're keys for this coming year i think mama's a key i think walker's a key i think simmons is is the key especially at the guard position these guys have got to step up and play but you also have some talented freshmen that if these other guys don't step up and they're uh, one in three plays they're giving an effort then i'd move in a guy that wants to play I think you've got to have a guy that loves to go to, go to work, likes to bring his lunch pail and likes to be a hammer, not a nail. So, uh, yes, I, I'm forgetting the best players on the field. Uh, you can't worry about uh, uh, feelings in a way. You have a responsibility to the program, the, unit, uh, the units that they play on, and you've got to have your best players on the field. But it's a, it's, it, a, Max Brown's a great player. These other players coming in are great players, and there'll be more great players coming in, you hope. So uh, that's what makes a team a better football team is when great players practice against each other and have the attitude of wanting to be good and wanting to practice and wanting to be a teammate, not an individual. So all of these things are exactly what this gentleman is talking about.
0: All right. Yeah, that's Jim in uh, Canyon Country. And he has a third point, and he he agrees with what you were saying, Coach. He says third regarding the hurry-up offense. The top ten teams last year in plays per game, so the number of plays per game, were Texas Tech, BYU, Cal, Fresno State, Baylor, Virginia, Arizona, Hawaii, Nevada, and SMU. And their overall record was 59 wins and 66 losses for all the cumulative record there. But the top ten teams in yards per play were Florida State, Baylor, Oregon, Texas A&M, Ohio State. Alabama, Northern Illinois, Wisconsin, Auburn, and Fresno State, and their record was 112 wins with just 22 losses. Oregon was really was only 39th in plays per game. Florida State was 88th, and Alabama was 116th out of 125. So, Coach Harvey Hyde is, is simply being is not simply being sentimental. Sentimental, excuse me, about building a good team with a powerful offensive line that can generate lots of consistent yards per play. It's the winning recipe. But a high number of plays per game without a high average per play puts you with Cal and Hawaii. Fight on, Jim, from Canyon.
1: Well, Jim, uh, you've done some work.
0: <laughs> I'll
1: tell you, I could use you if I was still <laughs> coaching and have you come in and be my stat guy. Uh, and you care a lot about it, and I, and I congratulate you. And uh, you're right. Uh, when you look at certain stats, you can look into the programs and, You see what type of relationships, records, and wins, and hurry-up offense, and what it brings. You know, in that last group of uh, teams that you mentioned, you've got some teams that have been very successful, and you've got some teams that have done it the old-fashioned way, Alabama, Wisconsin. Uh, That's why I've been saying all along, I've got to get used to seeing USC use a hurry-up offense. I've got to get used to that. Not that it won't be successful, but I'm used to really being the hammer, not the nail. I've always felt that if I have the best players, I'm going to keep the ball away from you. You're not going to have the football. I'm going to beat you up. You're going to surrender, and we're going to go home with a victory. And you're not going to want to ever come into the Coliseum, because when you come in, you've got to bring an ambulance with you. And uh, that's been my philosophy. But I've got to change, too. When times change, you've got to change, it, and you've got to look at things. But I've always looked at these type of programs as uh, the traditional. You want to you want to go to a street fight? Okay, we'll meet you. And what time do you want to be there? So I've got to get used to the hurry up offense, and it is something we all have to get learn. And I've been learning it and watching teams run it. And you get uh, you know you get a lot of uh, plays in, but you have the pers- You got to have the personnel to make that happen. You've got to have the quarterback, which I call a freak a guy that can throw the ball and run the ball equally as, as well, a guy that gives you an extra player, or an extra athlete on the field, and you really say, how do you stop this play? Well, you got to go to quicker guys to be able to do that. Well, if you go to a lot of quicker guys, too, then they're not used to taking on the sweep. They're not used to taking on some of the power plays that uh, USC or other teams would bring them. because They're used to covering rather than, than uh, the more speed type of defense rather than uh, physical types of defenses. So there's pluses and minuses. So as I say and as our listener says and you, Ryan, we've seen it in practice. I want to see it in the game. And uh, as the season goes along, I will report to you exactly what my feelings are, honestly and objectively. Okay, Ryan.
0: Sounds good. Well, Jim, thanks for that uh, question. I normally don't read the really long ones, but there was a lot of work put into that one, Coach. So thanks for uh, bearing with me on that as I, as I stumbled oh, through Jim, most of it. Oh,
1: Jim, great. We don't have a show without you guys.
0: Yeah, oh, oh. awesome stuff. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up, Coach. We appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing all your thoughts about USC. Next week, day one of fall camp. So we'll, actually, we'll probably do a show I guess it'll be a preview show of fall camp since it'll be, uh, I think they have a, an evening practice. So we'll do a morning podcast and then head out to, to go check out practice. So thanks again for coming on, Coach. It was great. And thank you very much.
1: And everybody out there, be careful. And thank you again for uh, calling in and uh, be safe,
0: okay? All right. Thanks, Coach. And everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We will talk to you all next week.